Welcome to the Loose Forward Podcast. I'm Andy. I'm Callum. And I'm Gray. And you're listening to the Loose Forward Podcast. We're all about rugby league, the M62 and beyond. So, um, that third voice again means we're on another special, doesn't it, tonight? Yes, uh, part three of three today and... um... You know, I really enjoyed the last two, so I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to this one as well. Yeah, the good news is is that uh, we've managed to coerce Gray into doing some more specials, haven't we? Yes, yes. Should we um, find somebody uh, to to interview or talk to? Then yeah, Gray's so we're going to interview us. our special topics. We're looking to get Gray on a little bit more regular uh, and do some uh, do some specials uh, over the coming months. So you're happy with that, Gray, aren't you? Yeah, it would be my pleasure. Sounds like a good idea. Good job we said. Good job we said that. Now we're recording, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this this special um, is drifting a little bit away from the letter, the original letter in, in parts one and two about the issues in the game. And if you haven't listened to those yet, then uh, please uh, please go and do so. We've had some great feedback from them, and um, uh, I know we're biased, but we think they're well worth a listen, don't we, Callum? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed. <laughs> talking about them and and um I, th- I think we've come up with some uh good uh, discussions as well yeah yeah we have um and this one tonight then is a little bit a little bit different we've moved away from the letter a little bit because we wanted to split this into three parts and what we're looking at tonight is i suppose you can term it the on the field product and the match day experience so what's it like going to the match now as opposed to what it might have been a few years ago. Um, the constant rule changes that we looked at, but not the structural rule changes as in playoffs and things like that, but the rules as in the um, the, the play in the game rules and the playing style of the teams and the coaches, etc. So that's what we're going to look at in, uh, in this part. Um, but before that, we're going to just have a, an update from uh, parts one and two and... Uh, I think Gray, this has got to be uh, this is this has got to be your little um, input on this on this update. I think, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Um, <clears throat> I think I think we'd obviously had the we'd had the letter published on totalrl.com. That was a breakthrough. Um, I think the podcasts that we've done and that probably helped it get into a bit more of a wider audience and. Um, it reached obviously it reached the the ears of two prominent people in the game who decided to um um dedicate ten minutes of their podcast last week to pretty much um ripping it to shreds um I'm talking about um Eddie Hemmings and mike stevenson um and I know you've had a little bit of a discussion in your weekly pod about it, but um when you say discussion, it was Callum's red corner. <clears throat> So that that sort of gives a clue to uh, the the, yeah, the level yeah. of discussion, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a rant. Yeah. So <laughs> so go go on, Greg. Carry on. Um, I've I've been listening to it. I I I found it quite embarrassing, actually. I I was I was shocked how badly they misrepresented the letter, and the thing that got me the most was 
um, when they, they, they tried to give everybody a five-minute lecture on why players leave for the NRL and made it out like we'd questioned why that happened. You know, why do these stupid fans think, you know, people leave for the NRL? And then Steve had to kind of inform us it's because of money. That's the reason why they go. And I'm really glad that he gave us that update because we were so stupid we didn't know. So thank you for that economics lesson, Steve-O. But of course, Steve-O then obviously contradicted himself because he then said when he went to Penrith, he didn't do it for the lifestyle. He did it for the money. And the letter actually said some players will always go for the, to the NRL for the lifestyle, but some go for the money. And if you increase the salary cap, those people that go for the money may decide to stay in Super League. That was what the letter said. We never once queried why players go to the NRL. We're fully aware of why they go. Increased salary cap may persuade certain players not to go, which Steve himself admitted he may not have gone if he'd have been paid more money to stay here. So he contradicted the point he was making. The, the other points they made about Sky and, you know, how wonderful it is that Sky and Super League are so intertwined and no competition in the world has ever had a link with a broadcaster like Super League and Sky. Well, I can think of Wimbledon and the BBC. I can think of loads of things that have had longer history. Sky are more intertwined with the Premier League than the Super League. Yeah. So that came across to me as a couple of ex-Sky people selling Sky. And it made me wonder where their loyalties lie. You know, my loyalties to the game is not to Sky. It made them sound like their loyalties were to Sky over the game. And I don't care if they disagree with me. They're perfectly entitled to disagree. That They're entitled to disagree with the letter. But to misrepresent it and make us sound like a bunch of idiots who don't know economics, don't know the what's going on in terms of the salary caps and what's going on in terms of how, many, how much people get paid to play in Super League or the NRL. That kind of annoyed me, and I was I was embarrassed that they felt the need to do it. I was, it, 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 in a way, it made me happy because I thought, yeah, someone's been annoyed by this, and maybe they've asked those two people to have a little pop at it. If so, that's good. But yeah. no, nobody, nobody can now say, nobody can now say that people have not seen this letter. Nobody can say that if I don't get a response to this letter, it's because people haven't seen it. You know, everyone's seen it. Eddie and Steve saw it on the website. If they're looking at it, if they're feeling the need to comment on it, everybody's seeing it. So if I don't get a response or we don't get a response, we know the reasons why now. Yeah, one of the things that really annoyed me about it was when Steve-O went, well, you know, it's only 40 fans. It's not like it's 40,000. Like, does that matter? Like, it's genuine. It's a genuinely well-written letter and, you know, there's, there's genuine... Pertinent questions yeah, that need answering. To you know, help our sport thrive, thrive and, and possibly even survive. And, and for him to just dismiss it as like, well, it's, it's only 40, 40 well, you see, the, You see, the problem is to, to, to do something which gets, you know, in Steve-O's hypothetical mind, to get something that 40,000 people sign, you'd never actually do it. You'd yeah. never be able to get to a situation where 40,000 people agreed to the wording in a letter. Yeah. That's why That's why the, the number had to be lower. You have to get all 40 people engaged and happy with what it is. To simply say, get 40,000 people to sign this letter, you have no idea how long it would take to get that letter to be perfect for all 40,000 people. In fact, it would be an impossibility. Yeah. Because however you did it, the majority would say, I don't like that bit, I don't like that bit, I don't agree with that bit. You'd end up, it'd end up taking you years to do it, and you'd lose the impetus. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with 40 people having signed. I wish there was 100 or 200 or 300. That would be great, but... 
I'm happy. I'm happy with what what it's done. I think it's I think it's served its purpose. It started a conversation, and it's and it's got some people in the game a little bit annoyed and a bit worried, maybe, which mm. is great. I think it's more the principle than the um, the actual numbers. The principle of what the letter stood for and the content of it, rather than the number of people that signed it. And what I was disappointed with was you look at Eddie and Steve-O and they've been involved in the game on that commentary and sky level for a number of years. And you'd think that they would want to grow the game. And instead it just comes, plainly just comes across that actually, no, what I want to do is protect Sky. Yeah, even now. Yeah, even though they've been left for two years, at least. That's what I mean, yeah. and, and, And they were just sort of, again bending over for Sky and trying to protect Sky and it really bugged me. Well the other thing where the other thing that really was annoying where if you hadn't seen the letter or you hadn't listened to the podcast but you'd listened to them was where they talked about sponsors. And oh, it was like, yeah. oh I'm sure Betfred will be ecstatic with this. No 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 we didn't we didn't have a go at Betfred per se. We just talked we talked about in the podcast and the letter was asking the questions were about if if Betfred weren't allowed to sponsor either through government legislation or if Betfred decided not to sponsor anymore, then we could be in a position similar to 2013 where we had no primary sponsor um, for for our major competitions. Yeah. And they chose not to, they chose to twist that and take that as a um, a slant on the letter and us um, just having a, a pop at Betfred, which wasn't the case whatsoever. No, I agree. Um, and and, and our, 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 my issue, our issue is not with the sponsors, it's with the the, the amount of money that's put into the game. Um, you know, Eddie tried to make it out like we were criticising Betfred for being the Super League sponsor. Yeah. Not at all. Their, their money is as good as anybody else's. I think, I think we've said that. There's, there's, there's no good sponsors or bad sponsors. It's, it's about finances. I mean, our problem was always that the Challenge Cup now has the same sponsor, and it doesn't seem like the game's getting value for money for those two sponsors. Yeah. Another thing they, another thing they said is that you know <clears throat> we were having a pop at Sky, we were having a pop at Sky because we'd we'd asked the question, and that's the thing with this letter. This letter is a is a questions, loads of questions. It's not us telling everybody what's wrong with the game. It's us giving our opinions and then asking questions. So if the people in charge can come back and say, "No, you're wrong." And we'll answer the questions and we'll tell you why you're wrong. Then perfect, that's fine. So that's why we did it. We asked questions because we don't know the answers. We're asking them to give us the answers. But for him to say, you know, we're having a pop at Sky, I'm entitled to have a pop at Sky if I want. I'm a Sky subscriber. I pay them money. I'm a customer. Yeah. I haven't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a go at them in anything illegal. I questioned. And again, I, I, the problem is, I'm not really having a go at Sky. I'm having a go at the. I'm having a go at the authorities. For how much they sell the game and how much they ask when they're when they're sorting out TV deals. If 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 Sky think they can get Super League for twenty five million dollars, Sky would be ridiculously stupid to pay a penny more. Yeah, it's not down to them. It's not down to them to set the price. It's down to them to decide whether they're going to pay the price that the RFL and Super League ask for. So again, I found it I found it childish and slightly embarrassing that in a letter that was in a letter that probably contains about twenty questions. They chose to focus on ones that I think it's almost as if someone had asked them to mention it. And, and another thing that he said, and I will stop now, I promise. He said, um, he said, oh, oh, they're complaining about the structure of the game, but that's been a, that's been something that people have been talking about for years. 
yeah, nothing's been done about it. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know? that's exactly why we talked about it. You know, almost like we're not allowed to talk about it because people have complained about it before. Yeah. But if people have complained about it before, maybe there's a reason why. <laughs> yeah. But, I, but I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it there on Eddie and Steve. I, 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 found, it, I found it embarrassing. I, I really did. I, I was more embarrassed myself than annoyed by it. I just, I, I thought, there was a, thought there was an agenda there. And I, I, I don't think they were clever enough to be subtle about it. It was kind of obvious what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as you say, the good thing is, uh, Gray, that it's ruffled a few feathers, and if if somebody's had a word in their ear or they felt the need to actually mention it, then it's opened that letter up to a wider audience, and perhaps more people will have seen it on the um, Total RL website anyway. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to next week's where they reveal why uh, I don't know footballers from Chile come to play in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> yeah, it will um it will be major storyline that we'll have to keep up with yeah absolutely so okay well what we'll do we'll we'll move on to part three uh which was about match day experience rules playing style etc so i want to kick off greg because you mentioned this in the first in the first special pod we did about the match day experience and i'm going to take you back to the 80s because you mentioned that then didn't you about the sights the smells and that's everything that got you involved in rugby league, isn't it? That's true, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't think it was called a match day experience, but I think it was. Um, I think it was um, throw your change on the um, on the gate, walk through, and then occupy yourself for a couple of hours, and there'll, there'll be a game going on. I, I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it would be termed as a match day experience. Not 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 in terms of how we'd look at it now, but I mean, yeah, I, I was I was a kid, so I was in, I was enthralled by probably stuff that a forty year old back then probably wouldn't have been very enthralled by. Yeah, I can appreciate that, and and obviously things that I wouldn't be enthralled by now walking into rugby league ground will obviously yeah. be thrilling for a ten year old. So I get that. That's that's just the way it is when you when you're a kid. The other challenge was as well was how old could you be before you stop being passed over the turnstile to get in for free. <laughs> if you were a tall seven-year-old, you had no chance. If you, were a little, if you were a little one, you could get passed over, couldn't you, for nothing. But, um, yeah, you can't do that now with electronic turnstiles. It's different. That's something else that's gone out of the game, Callum. I'll write it down. You write it down. <laughs> so, I know, and then, you know, we had that, like you said, it was it was a completely different experience. Crowds were... In the main down, there were different economic reasons for that. We were, you go back to the mid eighties, for example. We were, we were in the middle of uh, industrial action with the miners in particular, and communities were getting shredded um, by the government at that time, um, and that had a profound knock-on effect on rugby league because of the uh, because of the background of some of the the, the towns and, and villages that were involved, and then. And then once we got past once we got past that and we moved into a different era in uh, and Super League came along. Colin, what year was your first game that you attended? Um, it was the year two thousand. It was. And what was your, and what was your? Can you remember your thoughts at that time when you were? I mean, I can't remember much from the first game to be honest. Um, but but really, when, when I was younger and stuff, it was. Um, getting there pretty early to find a parking space um, or a decent one. 
um, so that we could get a quick getaway after <laughs> yeah. before we hit all the traffic <laughs> and all the fans coming out. Um, but then it was things like we'd go to the shop and get drinks and, and, and go to the chippy and, and, and we'd stop okay. and, and look at the badge man and the badge man would always be there. And, yeah. Um, you know, we'd, we'd buy a badge every week and, and, and then we would always go and have a, have a look around the, the, the superstore, the, the, the shop, whatever you want to call it, and, and and see what was out and things like that. So, um, And then obviously getting into the ground, you know, the, the sounds and the smells of the old grounds and things like that as well, and, and, and it, it was brilliant. One thing you missed out on that um, I'm, sure, I'm sure me and Gray didn't was running onto the pitch at the end of the game, um, just like with, with hundreds of others. Um, yeah. Asking, asking for tie-ups and autographs and things like that. You can't do that anymore. But no. <laughs> you, could, uh, you, you could early on. See, my story for that is that uh, there, uh, there was a game, there was a game great where Mal Meninga was playing. And I, managed, I, was, I was there and managed to run on the pitch and I got to Mal Meninga before anybody else. I don't know how I did it because I wasn't noted for speed. Still, I'm still not, but like I managed to get. A, I must have actually gone before the hooter blew. I think. <laughs> anyway, I got to Mal Meninga first, and I was like, "Mal, Mal, can I have your tie-ups?" And he just went, "Oh, sorry, mate, I ain't wearing none." I was like, "Oh," and I sort of dropped to my knees in the middle of the muddy pitch, like <laughs> disappointed. And he was, and you got to remember then in the mid eighties. The only, he wasn't wearing any because his calves were that big because socks weren't these tight ones that you pulled on. Like these, these, they were like woolly ones that went out of shape when they got washed and yeah. he still didn't wear any tie-ups. No. <laughs> it, was, it was like that. Oh, dearie me. But the other thing, Gray, was about the, the experience, I suppose, with the, with the match day stuff. Was, and I suppose we're going to go back to the beginning of Super League in effect now. Was um, the... Super League made a real attempt, didn't they, to have uh, what we'd call a match day experience because they had things like cheerleaders, uh, fireworks, and all. There was all sorts of things going on, wasn't there, that, that made this inverted commas experience? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> obviously everybody got a nickname as well. All the, all the, apart from St. Helens, which I'm very proud of, um, all clubs got their own nicknames, which then obviously usually animal related or kind of warrior related which then enabled all clubs to have uh, mascots who um as you've mentioned a few mascots in um, the shows i've been on um that that allowed a certain more kind of child-friendly atmosphere because you'd have the mascots and logos changed which then allowed clubs to um market themselves in a different way yeah and i think when sky started doing the live games i always remember I think it was a Warrington Saint game, one of the first seasons Sky did it, and they had Eddie and Steve on the field, our friends, um, and they did the, the announcements of the lineups of the teams, and I think Steve made an absolute mess of it in his first one. Oh, he never did it again. I think they did it once. <laughs> I, think he, I think he said, um, I think he got Coy, Coy Love's name wrong and called him Love, and um, made an absolute mess of it, and they thought, yeah, we're not going to do that again. But I think they, I think they, I think they tried to make it more... I was, I was going to say family-friendly. Rugby League's always been family-friendly, but they tried to make it a little bit more, not Americanized, but with mascots and certain kind of tie-ups that would would make people want to come into the ground a little bit earlier, maybe. Because I remember you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to rock into Nosley Road maybe like 10, 15 minutes before the game started. And 
when I was older, um, in the last few years in Nosley Road, I, I'd basically still be stood in the black bull at five to eight on a yeah. Friday night. I'd, yeah. I'd get in at like one minute to eight, push my way through onto the scaff. But for other people, you know, getting in there an hour before kickoff, half an hour before kickoff was was a thing they tried to do. I, yeah. I don't know how successful they were, but it was it was a it was obviously a, something that they attempted to do to try and make a little bit of pre-match entertainment. But this being rugby league, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't think they did a particularly great job at it. But no, no. Can you remember some of the um, the original nicknames that they had? Whole whole sharks were one, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. Old sharks, and then um, Gateshead Thunder. Um, and wasn't the Huddersfield and Sheffield Giants? That was how it was that marketed in the first place, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they just feel. I was reading. I was, I was reading about them uh, the other day for some reason. I was looking back at. I think it was last week when I was looking at the kind of playoff stats, and I saw Huddersfield and Sheffield had um, merged, and but it didn't last very long. Um, and I can't for the life of me remember what the nickname was. Um, I think yeah, it, they merged. Yeah. The whole gates had the whole gates had merged. Just didn't really work. It just ended up going back to Hull. Yeah. And Hull got rid of Hull got rid of the Sharks. Oh, actually, fair play to Hull. Yeah, Hull don't have a nickname now either, do they? I forgot about Hull. They don't no. have a nickname. So. No, neither do Hull KR. Oh, yeah, of course. I suppose they already had the, the, the ready-made name, which sounds like a nickname. So, yeah. The Robins, yeah. Mm. yeah. There was some that I was surprised at. I mean, I was always surprised, for instance, that Wigan got a nickname. Yeah, with the yeah. history that they've had and things like that, you would think that they wouldn't really be bothered about that. But... No, and I and I always wondered why Warrington um, weren't like the Warrington Wire or something because they've tried to introduce that over the last couple of years. Haven't yeah, they? they have on the scoreboard and things now, don't they? In the yeah. ground and yeah, there was things. I mean, there was some really clever marketing things. I mean, Bradford Northern probably had the the uh, the best one with Bradford Bulls. From Bradford Northern, but that was ultimately that was all sort of built on a house of sand, wasn't it? In the end, but uh, it didn't it didn't appear to at the side when they had the uh, the early success in Super League, did it? But yeah, yeah, and and some have embraced them even today more than others. I mean, Leeds Rhinos uh, uh, have embraced their nickname for twenty five years now, haven't they? They've they've really uh, you know I don't think they would be looked at as anything else now. No, I think you can. I think you can hear it in like the songs as well. If you if you if you go to a Leeds game or you watch Leeds on telly, there are, there are songs that those fans sing now that has the word Rhinos in quite mm. prominently. And you don't hear Wigan fans really singing about Warriors. It just doesn't really figure. I mean, you, you, the, the old joke is that Wigan only got one song, and it's Wigan, 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 Wigan over and over again. Yeah. But some of the songs that they sing, they don't really bother with including the Warriors because they don't really think they care that much about the nickname, but. Yeah, the Leeds fan base has kind of really taken on the Rhinos nickname and kind of loudly and proudly celebrate it. Yeah. Strangely. I think it's a bit weird, but good luck to them. Only to have it stolen by the netball team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always used I always used to I must admit though, I always used to enjoy the mascots. I mean, you know, you were telling me about Rory the Rough yet last week, weren't you? On, on the on the pod, uh, putting yeah. putting talc in the the, the other Freddie Cougar's head. Freddie Cougar's head, yeah. yeah. But I, I always some of the others. I mean, uh, Wolfie was a real hit, wasn't he, at Warrington? Yeah. Um, and he used to really engage with the crowd as well because he, he'd had away fans and um, hold signs up for the away fans and things, wouldn't he, and stuff like that. that yeah. was, you know, he was he was really everyone good. seemed to like him. And, and Ronnie Rhino was always the other one for me. He always sort of. You know, he wasn't engaging with the away fans. He was more hated, but he was like well known, wasn't he? And he always used to like run on and yeah, slide onto the pitch That's and right. things like that. Do you remember that Max the Warrior? 
Yeah, that was terrible. We had a, um, a gorilla before that, though, didn't they? I didn't get that. And they had a guy dressed up in a gold that suit. That was just Sean Wayne, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a guy in a gold suit giving Uncle Joe's mint balls away. And they always used to get this kid on that was like, um, that was also dressed up in a gold suit. I remember that. seven year old. <laughs> I remember seeing that once or twice, yeah. But yeah, some of the um, but yeah, some of the mascots were uh, some of them were frightening. Saints had Saints have got boots now, but I think Gray at one time they used to have uh, Bernard, didn't they? Who then Saint Bernard the Saint dog? Bernard. Yeah, no, I've no idea what happened to Saint Bernard, but didn't he marry Saint Bernadette on the pitch at one point? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was possibly while I was still in the black ball. I yeah. don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, either that or you didn't get an invite to the wedding. <laughs> well, I think I think after Longy took his head off after the uh, wide to west game, started running around on the field. I think he may be retired after that. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Oh dear me. Yeah. Um, you you wanted to be the international mascot, didn't you, Callum? At the last World Cup, Grubber, Grubber, yeah, Was he called Grubber, yeah. I didn't, I, didn't I, I mean, nothing ever really came of it, but I'd have, I'd have done it. I reckon I'd have done a good job. You had you had dance routines lined up and everything, didn't you? Yeah, they weren't very good. That's why I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but so, who was your favorite? Who was your favorite mascot in Super League now? Now, yeah. Oh. I can't. You don't really see them now, do you? I don't not, think. Not the same. No, they not haven't the got same. as much profile now as they used to have. Do you know who makes me oh. laugh? <laughs> Go on, Big G. Big G. <laughs> Always banging on that drum and stuff, you yeah. know. But his head scares me. I'll be honest. Big G. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. Who, who's your favourite now? <laughs> when, when you asked the question originally, I thought, please don't come to me. Please don't come to me. <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea. Sorry, pass. Well, I'm going to go for JT the Jungle Cat, right? <laughs> like that. But I know it's not rugby league related. But um, a friend of mine used to be the mascot for Oldham Athletic. All oh, right, um, Chaddy the Owl. Yeah. Uh, but Chaddy the Owl um, then got uh, well. One, he, he got he had to come and sit in the stand after half time because the referee complained that he was getting him mixed up with the linesman because he had a kit on. I'm thinking, he's a nine-foot owl with a four-foot wide head. How can you get him mixed up? And then Oldham Athletic sacked him because they were bottom of the league and the manager at the time said that he was deflecting away from the team because he was getting too much publicity. I think that's how all mascots should be. Exactly, the life of a mascot. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, brilliant. So, well, we look, when we look at... When we look at the rules and the way that the games, the way that the games changed, um, and I think if we go back pre Super League, some of the biggest decisions I think were made. Well, one of the biggest decisions was made in 1974 when the drop goal was reduced from two points to one point, and that that's you know that's still in force today. But that that's a real game changer, that isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think that you know that you you change the the point system. I, yeah, I think it changes the way that you play the game, doesn't it? And makes you think a little bit differently about how you go. Things like we might see the the NRL start playing um, a bit differently now that they've gone to you know two point two drop goals from from behind the forty. So somebody tried to do that at half time last week in one of the NRL games. They, I think it was Cleary. And I think they they had seven tackles, and I think Cleary tried. Uh, he, he kicked it on the. On the third, only about ten seconds left, mm. and he he put a drop out, and it went out of place. So they got the ball back, 
and it was right on half time and then they, from the scrum they tried to they tried to pass oh, it back yes, I remember and he, he missed the drop goal but it was it was from a drop out from the 20 and yeah. then they tried to get a two point drop goal yeah so yeah so you might be right it might it, it might change but um the rumor was always um, that they dropped it because Alex Murphy was dropping too many goals. That was always the rumour that was about, wasn't it? That they dropped it from uh, two points to one point to stop him from scoring. Well, that's what Alex Murphy says anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to think about the, the timeline of this. When did when did it go from three to four for a try? Well, I'm going to come on to that because okay. there was a big season in 1983, and there was several. There was some. There was a lot of. There was a lot of rules to do with the changes in the scrum. But the biggest things were all in one season. So the three-point try went to a four-point try in 1983. Also, the Simbin was introduced in the same year. But originally, it was for technical offences. I'm not quite sure what that means. Um, and dissent. But also, the other, the other one, which was a, a big change, was that on the sixth tackle, it became a handover instead of a scrum. Right. So they're they're really fundamental rules around that time, then, aren't they? In nineteen in, in the uh, early to mid eighties, uh. that's a, that's a real fundamental change in the game. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I have only ever known it as as, as four and, and two and uh, one for the drop goal. And when you've just said then about um, it being a handover in, instead of a scrum, I, I honestly that's the first time I've heard that. I never knew that. Mm. And then we start to get into, well, we've got we've got sort of like really basic rules that, that you think. I mean, there was one, and I never understood why they got rid of it, um, where 1988 came, where you can't play the ball to yourself. Mm. So you, essentially, you'd have somebody making a break, a winger, for example. He'd get, he'd get ankle tapped, but then he could get up and play the ball to himself. He'd just tap it to himself. Yeah, I've seen videos of that, and I always like the rules that sort of encourage like attacking play, if you like. Which is where we've tried to go recently, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought that back. And, I don't know, maybe not now, but and they went to they went to one marker as well for a spell. Oh, did they? Mm. See, I wasn't aware of that either. No, it's it's weird sometimes because once we start doing this now, we get into murkier waters now um, with some of the rules, and this is where. You know, uh, you know, it, it's a bit like when we talked about the structure with the playoffs that, that Gray was talking about last week. Some of these things now we seem to either have not sorted since then, or we've come full circle and we've never quite got some um, an agreement on. Oh, actually, this is the best way to do it. So in 1991, it became illegal to steal the ball at any point. At any point. I didn't realise that I'd been along uh, around that long. Did did you, Gray? No, I did not. But on that, I mean, that's thirty years, and we've never really got to a consensus about the ball stealing rule, have we? No, they no, and no, and, Sorry, no and, and the referees never referees never understand when a ball's being ripped out either or not. So you can um, you watch so many games, and the ball just flies down out of someone's hands straight to the ground. With a, of a velocity that it could never have been dropped, and the refs just like, oh well, yeah, you just lost the ball. There. So it's always been a, it's always been an area that's really, really hard to officiate as well. The, the ball steal. Well, when you when you've refed, Callum, because you've done some refing, haven't you, in your time? Yeah. You always had a point of about was it was it you always used to say to me was it was the angle it came out at or 
False Some, ceiling. Sometimes, yeah, and um, I think I think the the main thing is what what Gray's just um, said then about the, the velocity of it. You know, if someone's ripping it out or, or punching it out, whatever, it's not going to come out at the same speed as you're dropping it, isn't it? And I, I think that's just pretty much all there is to it, really, when making that decision. And obviously, if you if you drop it, it's not going to go twenty yards to the right of you is it so I, I I never really I've never really liked the um the, the stripping rule or or the one-on-one rule or whatever I have always been under the um thing that if, if you if you have the ball you keep hold of it mate if you can't if you can't keep hold of it don't have it don't have it we've actually had four changes in 30 years to that rule yeah we've had one this year haven't we about the it, well it wasn't so much the the actual stripper rule, but it was more, you know, if there's two in a tackle, you can't do it. And now they've said if there's two in, but one falls off, then that one person can do it. And it was never like that, was it, before this I, year? I'm not convinced how you can actually see it in, in real time whether someone's dropped off. I think that's really difficult for the referee to see. Yeah, it's just it just needs to be more clear-cut, doesn't it? Well, that only lasted five years because then it was, then it was legal to uh, steal it one-on-one. But... In 1991, Gray, I'm sure you'll be able to put a bit of uh, context behind this. It was made illegal to head the ball forward. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah, want to explain I, that one? I think I was at the game, actually. I, I hope I was. Um, yeah, there's was John Harrison, wasn't he? He was about eight foot five. <laughs> yeah. Played, I think, um, was he second row? Was he a prop for Saints? I can't remember. But he, he basically just um, headed the ball forward, and I think it was George Mann who got on the end of it. And scored a try, and um, the try was given. There were, I don't think there were any rules to suggest that there was anything illegal in heading the ball forward. It was just a part of the body that wasn't the arm. It was no different than kicking the ball forward. George Mann was onside. He scored the try. Um, I don't think it lasted very long, did it? I think there were complaints about it. I think probably, I think probably it was fair enough. I think you probably would have seen it quite a lot if it would have been. Had it been allowed, you'd have, you'd, have, you'd have just had players like running up to a tackle and just like heading the ball over the fullback and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I'd, how long did it last after John Harrison did that? I, I don't know, Andy. It, it can't have been that long because it that was 1991. So, looking at when that was that those sort of the met the players that you've mentioned, it, it, they can't have done it that far before 1991, can they? That's very true. George Mann only made his. Saints debut about 89 so yeah fair enough Could, couldn't have been a matter of weeks or months yeah I think the Saints coach at the time was Mike McLennan wasn't he um, who was a, a coach uh, ahead of his time I think we I think we can say mm. um, he had all sorts of little tricks didn't he he had uh, he had a, a wall built into the wall and then they all split off in different directions and things like that it was, it was quite you wouldn't see anything like that now no really entertaining um, big one. I don't know. How do you feel about this, Gray? Nineteen ninety-two. Um, the ten-meter rule was introduced, as opposed to uh, what's, what's uh, your view on that? It's such a big one. There's loads of conversations around it, and I, I don't know whether it's because I was quite young and I don't really remember a lot of the intricacies of the um, the game in the eighties. But I, I I look back and. I think there's there's a there's a there's a very good reason to say that it was a it's been a bad idea in terms of how the game's played now. I'm not sure it was a bad idea at the time because the game was different to as it is now. 
But the 10-metre rule now just gives defences so much time to get themselves back, to structure themselves, and it makes it a lot more difficult in the modern game where things are more kind of structured and disciplined. But, I mean, back in the day, it was... I don't I don't think it was a massive difference back in the day when it came in. I, I, I saw the reasons why it would have um, would have been beneficial, but I think now you could argue the way rugby league's played now in 2021, I think the 10-metre rule is a, is, a, is a negative in terms of um, open, attractive rugby league because it gives defences so much time to get back and structure themselves. And you're almost running the brick walls now with a 10-metre defence, whereas with five metres, you've you, you got a lot more open play. you got a lot more defensive walls that weren't structured properly. Players were running back. People couldn't get themselves in position properly. And, and obviously... You were, you were reaching the defensive line a lot quicker as well, which yeah. meant there was a lot more chance for offloads and um, broken play. But I've got to be honest with you, Andy, I, 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 I think back and I don't remember it changing. And maybe I was just still a little bit too young or maybe so much time has passed since it changed that I can't remember what came before. No, I can't, to be honest. And it's I know I'd been watching for quite a while before then, but I, I can't remember that either. Well, I've, ever, I've only ever known... 10 metres, and even when you watch old videos, you don't really notice it being 5 metres, I don't think, do you? But, no. you know, I think like what, what Gray was saying then about it, giving defences time, and, and now you're running at brick walls, and, you know, if you go to 5 metres, you, you have to be, I think it only helps, you know, players flaring things as well, like you're saying, like, because you, you don't have as much time to think, but I think also it could be beneficial for, for um, injuries and things like that, because... With the collisions. Yeah, with the collisions at 10 metres, a big difference between doing it at 5 and 10, the amount of speed that they can build up going into 10 metres and things like that. You might see a lot less HIAs and, 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 and things like that and, and knocks. Yeah. and Particularly with the, the size of players now as well. Because yeah. one, one thing you seem to get a lot, a lot of now compared to years gone by, shoulder injuries. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm sure that's to do with 10 metres now and obviously players getting bigger and bigger and... Um, muscles obviously bigger and things like that. So, yeah. but but I I I think I would quite like to see five meters come back because mm. I think it would um, reintroduce like uh, more of an attacking flair. Well, linked into that was ten years ago, and it brought in the uh, the rule about the referee's call, the the held move. Yeah. Now I don't like that because I think that to me personally. I think that's like the referee coaching the game. I hate it. I, I've yeah. got to be honest with you, I hate it as well. And I think when you do that, every referee is different and the speeds will be different as well and things like that. Like I, fit the referee. Well, that's it. I, I Honestly, I, I genuinely used to think that Richard Silverwood used to slow the game down because he wasn't fit enough. Yeah, I don't, he wanted a rest. Yeah. yeah. I genuinely used to think that. and I used to be really um, disappointed when I saw him refing um, the game. I, I mean, I don't know about you, Gray, but I hate it when you see players making a tackle and then they look round. Yeah. They look round at the referee to see, yeah. oh, I've, um, all right, I can, I can go now. Um, and I think that's tied in with the 10 metre rule personally. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it's taking responsibility of professional players knowing how to play the game properly. I, I hate it when your referee's going, well done boys, well done boys. Cause they've actually managed to stay the 10 metres. Like, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be coaching them to stay the ten meters if they're not ten meters. Blow your whistle, yeah. you know. And, and it's 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 so stupid. It's like it's like watching a referee going, "Oh, uh, 
Mo Salah or Marcus Rashford, you know, just step back a bit there, mate. You're offside. Hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah you can go now as the through balls going through the middle of the distance. It's like, it would be ludicrous for that to happen. But in rugby league, it's like, you know, and as you say, players just lie on until the ref tells them to get off. That's not the way it should be. It should be it should be player-led. Ref should be there to penalise and to, you know, you want a good relationship with the players. You want them to, you want them to trust you and to respect you. You want a bit of a chat with them and you want the game to flow. But the, the referee shouldn't be telling the players how to play the game, in my opinion. The players should know and it should be the referee's job to, you know, penalise them if they don't and let the game flow if they do. Yeah, completely right. Does either of you know when, I mean, it seems to have been around a while, but does either of you know when the forty twenty rule was introduced? Um, was it around 2000? Gray? No, I remember it happening, but I don't know what year it was now. 1999. Ooh. I, didn't, I, I just didn't think it had been around that long. No, I only know because I saw something um, a couple of weeks ago in preparation for this because the NRL do it first probably I'm pretty sure <laughs> we probably copied it yeah <laughs> like, like 2040 that we've got in now have we got that I don't think we've got uh, do we that. no we don't do we do that no no, no. not that I don't think so I've not till next not till next season <laughs> yeah not till next season no we yeah. do I'm sure we do mm, I'm not so sure on that one that's something for you to find out this week right <laughs> I think I, I think we do actually yeah, I think, I think it was there was a two-point drop goal we didn't take on, isn't it? I think yeah. we'll wait and see what happens. I think we've... I'm sure I watched a game a couple of weeks ago and somebody tried it. Or they thought that they'd gone for it. But I think in reality, it was just a clearing kick which went near the touchline. And they went, oh, it's gone for a 20-40. And he's just like, no, I'm, I'm just belting the ball away, mate. <laughs> skewed, skewed off the side of his foot, yeah. Um, just just, just on the rules, just, just to wrap up the rules, and I just want to just... Well, we'll touch on today's stuff, I suppose. But one thing I read today, which I didn't realise, one of the one of the rules was that this thing around uh, first came in in two thousand and eight, and a loose forward couldn't trap, couldn't then trap the ball in the scrum. No, but now they can. I think it's more the second rows now. I think that is actually still a rule, but the second rowers trap it now, right? Because I think they say um, once it goes past the second rowers. They can break, um, right. so I, I don't think it's the loose forwards that are trapping it. They can it. trap in it, yeah. But what I didn't know because I only read this today, and again, sometimes I struggle to keep up with these things. Sometimes, and I want to go back to that in a sec. Um, but so if the, if the defensive line breaks and they're offside, yeah. Um, did you? I didn't know this. The attacking team can then instead of a penalty, they can turn the penalty down and have a scrum again. I've never heard of that rule. No, well, that's what I've read today. And then if if they if they choose a scrum and they do it for the second time, and they trap it and they do it for a second time, whoever whoever comes out of the line then gets simbined. Oh, really? Which sort of like says, oh, "Hang on, I'm I'm going to try and get one of their players simbined." Yeah. Well, why would you turn a penalty down to have, well, a, just to have say another the scrum? Same thing. Why would you have a scrum when you can just boot it downfield and? But apparently that's an apparently that's an option. But again, one of those things in it, you just say, "What for? <laughs> what have you brought that in for?" I've never seen it though. Have you? No, I've never seen it. I didn't even know it existed till I read it. No, but there you go. And your favourite rule, Callum, two thousand and ten, corner flag is still in play. 
Well, it was Stuart Cummins' favourite rule when he was on Sky, wasn't it? Yeah, when did they change it? 2012? 2010. Oh, 2010, sorry. Yeah. I can't believe it took them that long to do it. No. To be honest, it surprises me that, that it, it took that long to do it because it just seemed, it always seemed a bit silly. But um, again, I think that's worked out well. Look at some of the finishes and stuff that you get now from the likes of Tommy Makinson and Tom Johnston and things like that. Mm. And you would never see any of them no. if that was still in play. Every winger seems to have that in the locker now, don't they? Yeah, that, that which, flying finish. Which is great. Yeah. Which yeah. is great. One thing that when I, I remember was that when I was at, when I was at primary school, right, and um, the the headmaster at the time, uh, he wasn't into rugby league. He was into football. Used to used to coach the football team. In fact, we'd have team meetings before a game in, in junior school where we'd bring the Sabutio pitch out and <laughs> point out where we should be playing and things like that. <laughs> we'd get off lessons for half an hour before kickoff, where he where he used to do move Sabutio things around. But one thing that attracted me to rugby league um, was the simplicity of the game. Yeah. It was easy to understand. And I remember having to write, we had to write a piece about hobbies or something like that in primary school. And I always remember um, the headmaster said to me, um, I want you to imagine that an alien's come to town and doesn't understand anything about rugby league and that's your piece. So you've got to make him understand easy in this, this piece you're writing. And he said, and I don't really understand anything about it, so you need to make it... If you did that now, you'd be like, well, you can do that. Oh, no, but you can't do that. <laughs> and you can't do that. But then it seemed quite quite simple. You had six goals, you passed it back. Yeah. And you had to put the ball down over the line. At, at that time, and I'm looking back from when I was young, but there didn't seem to be that much more to it. No, whereas now there's all the little um, nuances in the rules and things like that, isn't it? We, we seem to be getting more like rugby union with the technicalities that are involved. Yeah, because I, I don't understand a single second of that rugby union. No. You'll, you'll be surprised how many rugby union fans don't either. But, there's, <laughs> but you know, I, I speak to several people who follow rugby union and... <clears throat> You know, you, you you blow a whistle, you blow a whistle, and the referee points at Dre's giving the penalty, and I was like, "Yes!" <laughs> it's like, "What's he what's he what's he giving that for?" No idea. Yeah, and you know, it's. I I think there are there are plenty of people who follow rugby union who don't know the intricacies of that rule. Yeah. The thing you said about before about the scrums made me think that's probably such a rugby union thing to do because actually taking a scrum in rugby union sometimes is beneficial because you can get a charge on. Yeah. If you're in if you're in the the other team's twenty and you get a scrum, you can actually charge them over the line and get a try, but it's just not the kind of thing you'd ever see in rugby league, taking oh. a scrum over over a penalty. It's um be weird. And it's it's interesting you say that because um when we go to um when we go to the um World Cup game at St James's in October um, I was looking at what kind of seats to get and where we were going to sit and what prices and stuff. And I was very, very aware of the fact that two of the people who are going with us aren't really rugby, rugby league fans. And in, in the back of my head, I was thinking, I don't want these, I don't want these people to be kind of like too far away from the pitch because they're going to be asking me all the way through the game, what's this mean? What's this mean? What's this mean? And I thought 20 years ago, they wouldn't need to. Yeah, they wouldn't need. They, they, you know, they, they're rugby union fans or a passing interest. They'd get what was going on really quickly. Mm. Now it would be so great. What's this? What, what's what's he given that for? What's he given this for? What's happening here? And I, and I, that is because there's far too many intricate rules in the game now. 
and I think you know if you change your rules so often, it's, it's an insecurity there, isn't there? I think, and there needn't be because rugby league's a really good game, and it it doesn't need to be as complicated as it is. No, and I think you're right, and I think we we're bordering on that. What you've just said there, Gray, around what's that for? Uh, I don't know. The latest one for Which, that for me is set restart which I was just going to mention to I you. haven't got a clue what half of them are for talk to me about set restart because I I, I ain't got a clue honestly I haven't got a clue what half of them are for and like before set restart you're thinking there weren't this many penalties like they wouldn't blow up two or three times like that like they'd give the set restart here I don't understand what what good it's doing really I know it's made the game quicker and things like that but I don't think it's been very beneficial um, and it, it, like I get sort of like anxiety every time I make a tackle because it's like is he going to give a set restart because I can't see what's what's happening or, or, or what it's for And but as well with that I'm sort of, I would love to know if there's any relation I know we spoke about it quite a few weeks ago whether there's like any relation to that and like you know injuries like muscle injuries and things like that because the game is so much quicker they don't get that breather do they and I don't know if we'll ever find the answer out to that but um, no. I would love to know Great. Does did the game or does the game did the game need to be quicker no um, I, I, I've never I've never really watched the league and thought I love this because it's if you get what I mean, but there, yeah. there are players, there are players in the team that will give you pace and will give you speed, and that's one of the things that really winds me up now. Is that you know, you know, you look at you look at wingers in the game. You know, Martin Afire and those lads back in the eighties and nineties, they never got involved in the middle of the field. They were there to inject pace to the end of a move, to get around the fullback, to get around the other winger. That was where the pace was in the game, or a little bit of broken play, and a you know, a fellow like Sean Edwards could break through the middle. That was what the pace was. But the game itself was never was never about you know end to end you know all this stuff hundred miles an hour. It was it was a game of skill. It was about breaking down a defence. It was it was offloads. It was it was scrum outs and hookers trying to find a gap. It was it was never about speed for me. I, I never really followed the game because I thought I really like it because it's electric and hundred miles an hour. I don't really think that's that's what the game's about. No, I agree. I mean, the, the, if you look at rugby league compared to other sports, the, the percentage of time that the ball's in plays far outweighs football, rugby union, etc. And we're certainly not like American football where you get like six seconds of action every three minutes or something, you know? No, when we've like you say, we've always boasted the the most minutes of, of ball in play, but we seem obsessed with trying to get as close to 80 as we can. And I'm not really sure why, because I... I, I'm sort of convincing myself that it's no good for the players and and, and the welfare. I'd like to ask. I'd like to ask you both a question. Actually, flip it around on you. Oh, I remember. No. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. When um, you remember when when Sean Williams on the BBC a few weeks ago, he kept going on about how the um the Saint Wigan game last year, not the grand final, but the game at, um for the League Leader Shield that was played about three or four weeks. And that game, I think the ball didn't go out to play for like the first twenty five minutes. It was yeah. just. Yeah. The ball, and he and he said that's what we want from rugby league. That's what we want from the game. And I looked back at that game and I thought that was just two sets of lads just bulldozing into each other for 25 minutes. It was it was five runs and a kick. Then the other lads went five runs and a kick. And I thought that's not the ideal for me in rugby league. I di- I didn't find it particularly compelling. 
every single player on that field worked their backsides off. I can only imagine the effort that they put in to actually produce that 25 minutes. But I didn't find it entertaining. I found it, I found it kind of weirdly compelling. It was really competitive, but I didn't find it really compelling. And, and the fact that he thought that was like, that was the, the zenith of what rugby league should be really kind of depressed me. And I wondered whether you two kind of looked at a game like that and thought that's the perfect kind of game of rugby league. Because for me, it wasn't. No, it wasn't for me either. I think, like you say, you you sort of in awe about like, wow, look at these going at it. Like, it's serious stuff, you know, like in the middle and things like that. But at the end of the day, I want to see Tommy Makinson flying into the corner and things like that. I want to see points scored and I, I want to see inventiveness and, and, and lift, lift different plays and things like that and attacking flair. I don't want to watch guys hammer into each other for 80 minutes. So, no, I, I was the same. I'm, I've never really been that obsessed with the ball not going out of play for 25 minutes, especially when you're playing because I'm knackered after 10. But um, I, I just want to I, I want to watch different moves put on and things like that because I, I like... I like learning about the game and thinking, well, I've never thought of that. Or, you know, I'm not really bothered about watching Alex Wormsley hammering for 80 minutes or, and, you know, and, and Joe Bullock for Wigan doing it, doing it back. Like, it, it's nice to watch and appreciate it, but I want to watch tries. Yeah, I agree. For that, for that 25 minutes, though, there was actually no need for halfbacks to be on the field. Well, no. I was just going to say, it sounds like a prop forward speaking. Yeah, yeah, because well, he, yeah, he was, he? Yeah. he was, and that that's the way it, that's the way it comes across to me. Well, it's that's that's why I'm here. I'm here to bash up the middle, and you know, if you if he was a halfback, I don't think he'd have been saying the same sort of thing. Um, but you, you're quite right. You know, you're both right there. It doesn't. It, it, that was just a war of attrition. Now, there's a, there's a difference between that and let's say the grand final, where. The defense, the defensive display from both teams was absolutely fantastic, but the game was compelling because it wasn't it wasn't a dull game. It wasn't a, it wasn't a war of attrition. It was it, it was it was a game of chess, really. Yeah, they were trying to score points. Yeah, exactly. They? Yeah, yeah. And, and there was a massive difference between those two games. Um, I, just just on just to finish off on the the. the uh, the restart, the six again. Do you ever watch that, both of you? Do you ever watch that and say, "What was that for?" Do you understand? I rarely understand when the hooter blows to for a six again. I rarely understand what it's for because it's that quick mm. and and it's gone. And then you're like, "Oh, it's six again." And then you're on with the next play. And I've, I don't understand now what what it's for. I know it's for, I know it's for. Um, um, rook offences, isn't it? Play the ball offences and things, but I, I don't understand what it's for. I don't see it anymore. No, I don't. I I, I, I imagine that half of them are just for like um, having their hand on the ball and not letting them play it or something. But but they seem to give six again when when they're on the floor, um, you know, wrestling. So I, I have no idea. Cause it's not like a penalty where they give the penalty and they give the signal for for what it's for. And I, I, no, I don't. Is the answer. Yeah. It allows the referees to make the decision. The hooter goes off. You carry on. It, it, 
it stops you from actually analysing whether the decision was right or not because by the time it's happened, you're already off and away, as you said. Yeah. You know, you're, you're already one or two tackles down the field. And I think it, I think that's quite dangerous because you could always have a little look and see, you know, what referees give for penalties and you can kind of work out. And I think coaches could probably work out as well. Yeah. You know, oh, such a body's ref in our game today. He lets us lie on. He's quite lenient to X, Y, and Z. So, you know, play the, play the rules that you know the ref's going to allow you to. With this, you just you have no idea. You can just say six again, mm. and you don't really know whether it's being consistent with a six again he's given at the other end of the field. And no one's going to stop and actually judge that referee's call because it's gone. You're carrying on, and you're, you're worried about your defensive line. You're worried about the rest of the game. Commentators can't really analyse it either because they're concentrating on what's going on live. So it's it's quite a strange thing whereby. You know, you wouldn't probably see in a lot of other sports where a referee can make a call or a decision, and it's not analysed. It's mm. gone. We're carrying on, and, and and it's interesting what you say, Calm, about the amount of six agains you see in a game. I've never really looked at the, the stats to see are there more six agains? Is, is the hooter blow more often in a game than there used to be penalties, or there used to be infractions in the game? Because it it does seem like there's a lot more of them given. Because it's almost like, you know, I'm not giving a penalty, I'm just giving a six again. So it's far easier for a referee to give it now. Yeah, as if they're being just stricter on enforcing rules because they're like, well, I'm not blowing again because it'd be too stop start and I'll get too many complaints, whatever. But yeah, does does that. It's almost like the punishment's not as bad either because if you, you know, if you, if you do a team, you know, and, and you know that, you know, whoever's going to kick the ball 40 yards down the field, it's a, it's a real punishment from a penalty. Yeah. But just to give a six again, it, it's almost like you're not really punishing them, so it's easier for the ref to give it. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I don't... Do they count as penalties on the penalty count? I'm not sure if... I'm, do you know what? I'm not sure. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if they do or not. Because if they don't, then it would be interesting to see if the penalty count has gone down. To previous years, because in, in theory it should have done, shouldn't it? I, well, I imagine so, because I imagine that most of your um, offences come from from the rook and things like that. Yeah, but one thing that you picked up on there, Callum, which are, which I found in which I found interesting again was there's no signal for what it's for. Yeah. So when it's before you give a penalty, and like, what's that for? And then you'd give the signal for a high tackle or offside or whatever it may be. Now it's just six again, and you've no idea actually what's, what that's for because there's no signal for it. Even when you're watching it on Sky, I, I don't ever hear him say, six again, it's such a body, you've Off, done yeah. this. Or you're within ten or something. You just or, hear yeah. six again, that's all you hear, and I, you don't really even hear what it's for. And no. And the commentators obviously haven't got a clue what it's for. No. Cause um, they just e- even the ex-pros, again. because they never said, oh, that's for such a thing. It's just, yeah, mm. it, it's, it's just there. Um. One of the rules I want you to speak to me about, both of you. Are you ready for this one? Obstruction. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Who wants to start? Um, I, I can't stand it at the minute. It's just, as he caught it on his inside, as he caught it on his outside, and then... Not only have you got it from like the attacking team, but every time somebody runs through, somebody from the defending team is flopping on the floor. To, to from run yeah. through. Does that happen at your level when you play in a community game? No, you'd get laughed at. You would. It's like diving in a Sunday league football match or something. Like it, 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 I've never seen it. Um, 
in, in any of the games that I've played over the last couple of years. Is but but you see it all the time in Super League. Yeah. Gaskell and Caesar have both took dives over the last couple of weeks, haven't they? Oh, Different things. But um, yeah, great obstruction. Do you understand it? Um, I, I can understand the rule. I don't think it's I don't think it's perfectly um, done. If you get what I mean, I I, I I kind of think I understand what obstruction is, but I watch games and I can see things given for obstruction that I don't believe are what the rule was intended for it to be. It's funny you mentioned Huddersfield because I um I think Barry McDermott tweeted out a couple of weeks ago saying he was noticing it happening. Um, certain players milking things and I sent him a reply which he liked and I said you know you're one of these ex-pros on TV you need to stamp on this because yeah. the problem with the problem with football was ex-pros didn't think diving and cheating was a big issue no. and they let it become a big thing in the game and they could have stamped on it really quickly yeah. so I was really heartened that he said it oh I, I think I think it's in this day and age where defences are so structured and teams are so coached to kind of play structured defensive rugby for, for for a try to be disallowed because such a body, you know, had his shoulder in the way of somebody in the defensive line who, you know, was never going to get to the runner, was never going to get anywhere near the ball. And I think it, it's such a cop-out. It's such a cop-out to disallow a try for that because, you know, somebody couldn't, you know, somebody couldn't get round somebody to get to the man with the ball and you give it, you give it for obstruction. I think it's a, it's a real cop-out way to... To remove, and, and sometimes these obstructions are usually at the end of something really quite in, exciting in the game as well. Somebody will find a gap, somebody will do something which doesn't really happen very often in the game, yeah. and you'll get it called back because of something which I don't really think is in the spirit of the rule of obstruction. No, I mean, I always thought it was quite simple, really. Obstruction was that you obstructed somebody from tackling the player with the ball. Yeah, not somebody yeah, who's yeah. 10 yards behind with the ball. You who's, know, who's, usually who's running, who's running yeah. a lead line on it and they've swung around the back and they're and like 10, 15 yards away from him. It doesn't affect them the one bit. No. No, no it's, uh, it's, getting, it's getting ridiculous and getting really confusing as well. Yeah. When and it's given too much. It's given too much thought to as well because if, let's say, let's say, let's say, for example, you know, the number six has the ball and he runs through a gap and you say, well, the, he only ran through that gap because such a body was obstructed. Well, there's no guarantee that he's going to run that way if the player that was obstructed is actually stood there. He might he might step off and go inside. He might go another way. So you're kind of second-guessing. It's kind of counterfactual, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, he, he ran through that gap because he was obstructed. Well, no, he, he may not have run through that gap if that player had been there. And in, nine times out of ten, that player's never going to get to him anyway. Yeah, that's the right. thing that really annoys me. Yeah. No, that, that no, it's quite right. One thing, because one thing I was disappointed to see go was the uh, the free play. I've I've wrote that down. I liked that because I think you saw some off the cuff rugby league that you wouldn't see anywhere. There's no I, risk. I, yeah. No, I understand why they've got rid of it. I suppose because if you're if you run ninety meters and drop it with five to go, it's like well, actually, it's a free play. It's got to go all the way back there. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah, I, I know. I understand. I sort of get why they've got rid of it, but I did enjoy it, and I, I okay. thought it was really good for 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 rugby. The only thing that I didn't like about it was is if, if you, you could have a free play and kind of run around the field, and then it didn't come off, and you'd go back, but they didn't reset the time. So yeah. you'd actually had you, you could actually have a minute of the game which didn't actually didn't actually count. Yeah. Nothing actually technically happened in that minute of the game. Which if you're getting beat. 
and you're trying to come back in a game and the other team has a free play and runs around for 40 seconds and knocks on, you've lost like the best part of a minute and nothing actually happened. It wasn't actually part of the game. No, and that, you know, after you, you know, you just said that, and after we've just been saying about how, how obsessed we are with, um, you know, ball and and how long the balls in play in minutes and things like that, that that wouldn't surprise me if that was the reason that they got rid of it. Yeah, um, I think you could quite happily just go back and say, you know, the amount of times the, the clock stops in a rugby league game, you can say, you know, just put the time back on the clock. Your yeah. free play didn't work; it didn't happen, so to speak. It, it didn't happen, did it? No. You go back to where it started, just reset the clock and carry on. I'd, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Talk, talking about time, we're now to speed the game up again. Now we have now have shot clocks. And yet, personally, I still think they give them too much time to let the clock run down over conversions and penalties and things. I, I would be interested to see how long, on average, it actually took somebody to like take a dropout or um, Before form a scrum. Clock. Yeah, because... I, I wouldn't have thought it was over 35 seconds, 30 seconds. But I, but I also I thought the referee had the power to stop the clock anyway. Yeah, he does. Well, he does, yeah. But then they say, oh, you've got 30 seconds to take this dropout, but you can have like a minute over this conversion before I stop the clock. That's I, I think that's crazy, personally. Mm. Particularly at the end of a game. Like, I'm not saying can, he should, know, wind the if clock it's like, oh, well, if you haven't took this kick in, in a minute, that's it, like you're not having it, just stop the clock earlier. Mm. There's no need to give him a minute for it. Just stop the clock straight away if you but have to. Particularly, I think, last 10 or 15 minutes as well. Yeah, definitely, because that's when they start running clocks down and things yeah. like that, don't they? So. Yeah. But No, you're right. I mean, I'm all for... I mean, I'm sure we're all agree. We're all for things that have player safety. Oh, yeah. So we're all we're all for the, the rules that have come in, you know, um, the HIAs, the, the blood bins, the spear tackles, the tackles in the air, the third man in, that, that sort of thing. Mm. I'm I'm just wondering how many of these other these other new rules though that have been brought in on a COVID situation. I wonder how many are going to be here to stay. Well, I hope they don't get permanently rid of scrums. That's an integral part of the game. Isn't well, it? exactly. You would think they would bring that back. Um. Yeah, like, like you say, it's an, it's an integral part of the game. So. I, I I agree with that. I, I think we'll go back to scrums. I think um, one one of the things I, I think one of the hopes was when they did the six again thing that it would result in more open play. But in reality, it hasn't. It's just allowed the game to continue as it was, but put more pressure on the defensive team. And and you haven't really seen teams kind of being any more creative because they've had six again. They've just thought, oh, brilliant! We've got another six tackles to carry on doing what we we're going to do anyway. Mm. Um, the, the scrum was always, you know, the scrum was always a good thing because it, you know, it got all the big lads in one place and mm. allowed a little bit more room to try something off the back of it. Yeah. Even, even in the modern game, that kind of became a lot less prevalent. In the, you, could, you, you know, you'd, you'd see a team, you know, with the feed at the scrum, pass it out to the prop forward, patch his way through, and you just think, you know, what have you done that for? Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd end up with you'd end up with prop forwards actually not in the scrum. Because you just you'd set your scrum and nobody really cares who's in the scrum anymore. It's just the six fellas who are closest by. Yeah. Whereas I'd, I'd like to get back to a situation where you know your six forwards have to be in the scrum. Yeah. And I'm not really bothered about them being you know contested or anything like. That. I think that's something that's been and gone. I don't think that's I don't think that's going to come back into the game. But 
I'd, I'd really like a return to that because I think it would give half backs and outside backs a bit more room. Yeah. In a game, in a game where they get so little room now. Yeah. Eight, eight to thirteen make the scrum. Seven feeds it in. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to know. I'd be interested to know how many people actually realise like the names of positions are what they are because of you know why are people called second rowers? Why are they called hookers? Blah blah blah. It's, you yeah. know, doesn't seem to have any. In, in, doesn't really seem to have any link to what they do in the game anymore yeah, in terms right. of the scrums, does it? No, oh, but apart right. from from maybe scrum half and, and standoff and obviously wingers, the, the, a lot of positions seems to be losing the, the meanings, yeah. don't they? We look at like lose forwards yeah. nowadays. It's just an extra prop. It's not it's not what it used to be. Um, when you look at all the the, the, the old um, ball playing lose forwards, Ellery like Hanley, Harry Pinner, that sort of era. Yeah, going through uh, Steve well, Norton. Pre- yeah, that's one of my things that I'd always kind of get someone else and, and Sky started doing it and they started having like the kind of robotic things at the beginning where when they had their opening credits and it was just basically robots barging into each other however it was as if like you know all rugby league players should be like 16 stone with like yeah. you know 1% body fat and everyone looks the same yeah. and I think I think the the, the, the the ideal kind of model that I always think is um, Louis McCarthy stars Rocket Saints he, he's played eight 10, 11, 12, 13, he's played centre. Yeah. And I think back back in the day, you you you, yeah. you couldn't, a prop forward couldn't play centre, a prop forward couldn't play loose forward. You know, you'd struggle to play yeah. second row, you wouldn't be big enough. <laughs> and if you were small enough to be a second row, you couldn't be big enough to be a prop. Blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's so interchangeable these days. I, I find it quite depressing that key positions are not protected and the way they used to be. The, the biggest one for me in that is the... The interchangeable now of the um, of the scrum half and the hooker, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, and when we looked at, you know, when you look at that going back, you know, Rob Burrow was a scrum half, and then played the latter half of his career at hooker. Years ago, he would never he would never been able to play hooker. No, I think even Paul McShane, you know, even as recent as the last three four weeks, has has been playing scrum half. I know it's because of injuries, but the fact that he can go out and do a job there. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. It's un- unthinkable, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, no, that's right. And we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but I want to, I just want to, I want to challenge you a little bit. I'm just going to, we're going to wrap up in a couple of minutes, but I'm just going to get your thinking caps on just while we wrap up. I'm going to give you three rules to change to make the game better. Okay. Each of you, so just get your thinking caps on for the next couple of minutes while we just discuss, and then right. I'll come back to you to finish off for you for your three rules. One of the things that that gets me is that we talk about speed of the game. You can take a 20 meter quick tap when the ball goes dead. Yeah. But you can't take a quick tap penalty. No, I, that, I was going to say the same thing um, because I was reading about that. Cause I, I, I um, was reading about when he was like, Oh, I think the wording was something along the lines of players can take a, a, a quick tap and can't be delayed by the referee. And I was nearly blowing up, but then mm. I read the twenty meter quick tap. I thought, well, if you can do it for that, why can't you do it for a penalty? It's the same thing. It's a little bit like the obstruction rule. the The, the game is about scoring points and scoring tries. Yeah. So, to me, any benefit of the doubt or any any advantage should be given with the attacking team. Yeah. So, yeah. I want to just raise two different points before we come back and finish off. Um, number one is uh, Gray. Talk to me about golden point. 
Oh, I absolutely hate it. I, I don't see the benefit of it at all. I, I, we we played for so long, and there's such a culture in this country of, you know, a draw is a draw. You know, there's nothing wrong with a draw. I understand, like in Australia and America, the idea of a draw or a tie, as they call it, is, is completely alien to their culture. But in, in such a physical game as rugby league, if you if you if you basically go out and have a war with another team for 80 minutes and you can't be divided, you can't be split, it's a draw. Yeah. You know, in, in a cup game, fair enough. I mean, we used to have replays in cups, but I understand why we yeah. don't do that. And that's fine in a cup game. But just, you know, there are two points on offer in every game. Everyone gets one point each. It, I'd, I'd even compromise. I'd even say, if you really, really, really wanted golden point, and I think they do it in ice hockey in America, if, you, if, it's, if, it's, a, if it's a tie or a draw, you both get a point. If you get a golden point, you get an extra point. Yeah. But the team that loses still gets a point because I think drawing a game after eighty minutes, you can't end up with nothing from that. It, no. it just goes. It just goes against everything that is part of the kind of culture, and it's a bigger issue. I, 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 I don't want to kind of get this onto other things, but we copy what the Australians do, and Australians have a different culture in terms of how they play their sport and. Mm. We've lost, we're losing our identity a little bit in terms of the things that we've taken on that the Australians have done, and I don't really, I don't really understand why we do it because some of these things are so, you know, just because the Australians have a golden point, you know, that has no impact on when we play Australia international rugby league. There's golden point, that's fine. What they do in the NRL shouldn't really mean that we have to do it in Super League. It's not a rule. It's not something that's going to hamper us when we're playing at the international level. Yeah. It's actually just a way of deciding a game. And I just. I don't. I can. I'm fine with Australians doing. I don't think we need to do it. I, I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a terrible rule. I think. Um, That'd be one of my three things I'd change as well. By the way. Okay. Well, you can you can come back to them in a minute. <laughs> but like, I think. Um, I, no, I, I think there's nothing wrong with. I mean, draws in rugby league are quite rare anyway. So you know, there's nothing wrong with like you said, sharing the points, two points and offer. We've got the same number of points in the game. We we share the points. Reminds me of an episode. You talk about culture. An episode in The Simpsons where they play an ice hockey. And oh, goes, yeah. A tie? <laughs> They're both losers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's tear this place apart. Yeah. <laughs> there's a massive riot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Callum, golden point? Um, I I completely agree with Gray. It's like he took the words out of my mouth. I think um, I wouldn't have it. I think if, But I think if you're going to have it, then you should get one point each no matter what. For your and work then, in the 80 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you win against... Okay. The, the golden point if you like so and then, um, but yeah and then the last thing of discussion which you touched on there Gray a little bit when you mentioned the international game about you know with, about uh, Great Britain Australia and so on we have three different sets of rules mm. we have Super League that's slightly different to the NRL that's slightly different to the international rules yeah football doesn't have that no. We don't. We don't. You don't play the set. You don't play different rules in the World Cup than you do in the Premier League. It's it's one of those things where I wish I had a button for only in rugby league. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we need to make one of those. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, we, that's. I mean, that's something. That, again, you talk about confusing the public and confusing fans. Or we're playing by international rules today. What does that mean? I don't know. I didn't read it, but I read somewhere that. Um... They'd made some adjustments to the to to some set of rules or to the international rules to make it more even throughout the whole thing. I thought there should just be one set of rules, of mate. So, um, so you know, you, you, let's take the drop goal for example. 
Super League internationals one point, NRLs two. Doesn't doesn't just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, does it? No. You've done the same action in the same game, the same sport. Just stupid, isn't it? Yeah. But anyway, so I think we're going to wrap up there because we've done an unbelievably. We've done an hour and fifteen that's flown by. Um, but before we do wrap up, um, I want your. I want your three rules to change in rugby league. Who wants? Who wants? Have you got your? Th- have you got your three there, Callum? Um, yeah. Have well, you got? Have think... you got your three, Gray? Yeah. All right. Go on then, Gray. You go first. Okay. The golden point thing I'd get rid of. Yeah. Um, I think I would go back to five meters because I think the game is too structured and too defensive now, and I think uh, anything that anything that kind of can get in the way of coaches. Um, structuring the teams to be so defensive and I can't think of anything else that we could do to stop coaches structuring their teams to be so defensive so I think anything that puts them on the back foot so I think the five metre rule would be good and the third one which I've completely now forgotten so you can come back to me because it's just um, escaped my memory Will do, Callum? Um, I would scrap the set restart after after talking about it, I've decided that I now hate it. Um, I just don't think Just it's, after tonight? Yeah, it's just <laughs> cemented it, really. So does that mean when we're watching games this weekend, you're going to be like, you're going to be getting angrier when there's a set restart? Yeah. I like it, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think it's like when you're doing your podcast, it's like somebody's talking and maybe like, you know, you, you, you just don't want to say anything. You should just be able to just go, <laughs> so, that, so that the, the, other, the other person just carries on. <laughs> I like that. Good, yeah. Um, yeah, I um, the other one I would sort of slightly change is the seven tackles set. I think it's good. I just don't think it's used right, or I don't think it's entirely fair all the time. I think that if you're going for a drop goal, I don't think that should result in a seven tackle set. Mm. Or I think maybe you know something if you're like inside the twenty meters trying an attacking kick. I don't think that should because I think it punishes and, and then teams are scared to, to try and score points. It's more that long kick 40 yeah, out. Yeah, it's more goes, like what Leeds you, you were renowned for, booting it dead and then, and then set up on themselves the 30, yeah. on the 30 and giving themselves yeah. a bit of a breather. So I would amend yeah. that rule. Um, and the other rule that I would completely scrap because I absolutely hate it is straddling the line because I think it punish. I think it's a bit of a cop-out. Oh, yeah. I think, one. I think it's a cop-out for defenders dealing with Good kicks. Yeah, because the ball isn't going out. You're no. actually narrowing the pitch by about by a couple of yards all it, the way around. Exactly. It's a cop-out for defenders because they're like, is this going out? Is it not going well, out? Well, I'll just put that especially, out. Especially on the side. Yeah, exactly. When you can plainly see that a ball's going to be dropping yeah. in the field of play. Yeah. But they've got the foot on the line. And they only have to touch it as well, don't they? Yeah. Oh, they might have changed that they might too. They have to, to catch, catch it. it, but... Yeah, at one point you only had to touch it. But I just hate that rule full stop because I think it punishes good kicks. Good one. I like that. Yeah. Grave, you remembered your third one? I have. Um, going back to the, the kind of five-metre rule, I can, I'm, I'm trying to think of anything that's going to stop the game being so kind of robotic and structured. And I think one of the ways that you could do it is going back to how it was back in the day where if a substitute happens, it's done. So you get rid of the interchange, and, and the argument against it would be, you know, interchanges have been brought in because prop forwards work a lot harder, and prop forwards go through a lot more in a game. So it's really, really important for them to be able to play 20 minutes, go off, have a breather, come back on. 
my argument would be is because they're allowed to do that, the game has now become more forward-focused because you know you can flog your prop forward for 20 minutes, knowing you can then have 20 minutes off and come back and do it again. If you know you can, if you know that your prop forward can only do so much and when you take him off, he can't come back on, maybe the coaches would then be less inclined to whack it up the middle for half an hour at the start of a game. You may put your prop forwards under a lot less physical pressure if you know that you only have them a certain amount of time during the game. So I don't know how many I would reduce it to, but I think the interchange is too high. And I think it's just ended up in a situation where we can just flog our prop forwards knowing we can take them off and take them, bring them back on whenever. Yeah. I think that's, I don't know, it's been a big change in the game from when I was a kid whereby, you know, a substitution was a substitution. When someone went off, he wasn't coming back on. Yeah, and I think... Um... As well, there used to be a, a, an argument then for the for the little fast fella running at the, the tired prop, and you don't seem to get that anymore because they because they're generally fresh. Yeah, um, I don't think rugby union they have, the eight, they have eight subs, don't they? And they have it once it's a sub, yeah, it's a sub. It's, they have yeah. fifty, and then they have eight on the bench. I think, don't yeah. they? They can do that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I've gone for I've gone for set restart because I don't get it. <laughs> um, uh, I've gone for revamping the obstruction rule. Yeah, that if you obstruct somebody with the ball to make a tackle. It's, it's quite simple, really. Yeah. And, and I've got rid of ball stealing. As yeah. in, you as in, if you if you lose the ball, TS. Yeah, tough. Yeah. Yeah, because again, that's another sort of just grey area. I think. Yeah, fair enough, isn't that? So, brilliant. So I think, I think that wraps us up, doesn't it, for uh, uh, for our specials. Yes. I really enjoyed that. I thought tonight's might be a bit shorter. In actual fact, it's ended up being a bit longer. It's been the longest one. Now. I know, but <laughs> there you go. It's just it shows there's always something to talk about in rugby league. Yeah. So, but Gray, we're going to, Gray, I just want to say thank you for being involved in our specials. I think you've been absolutely fantastic. Um, and we're going to get you, we're going to get you back on ASAP when we start looking at the other specials. Um, and I've, I've really, and I hope you've enjoyed um, uh, becoming part of the team. Yep, loads of fun. I'm, I'm very thankful for giving me the opportunity. It's been loads of fun. I've really enjoyed it. No worries. No worries. Callum? Yeah, thanks, Gray. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I'm, I'm sure we could have made each episode about two, two and a half hours long. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Um, it, it's been great fun, and obviously, you know, now we're relatively new to podcasting and things like that, but I really, really did enjoy this. Yeah. So, thank you. So, no, think- and, and the, the, way you, the way you do it is, um, is tip-top as well. It's... Um, it's a really good, um, really good production, really good sound, and I'm really glad that people are paying attention and listening because you, you deserve you deserve for this to grow. And I hope in a little small way I've maybe helped you do that. Absolutely, and I'm sure you'll continue to do so. Thank you. So brilliant, Certainly. thanks, Grace. So I think that's it. We've put rugby league right. We've we've changed all the rules and things, haven't we? And we've uh, uh, we've reminisced about some of the match day experiences and things. So I've really enjoyed this this third one. Um, let's hope that. Um, Let's hope the debate carries on around the uh, the original specials, which is the letter. Um, and wherever you're watching your rugby league this week, enjoy, uh, because it's the greatest game. And it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.